Welcome to the First Focus podcast. It's a bi-weekly show where we discuss hot topics that aim to help financial services professionals step up their digital and content approaches to achieve success. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. My name is Ellen Adams and I'm a client strategist at Clients First. I'm delighted to be your host for today. This is the fourth episode in our series and you can listen on all of the usual platforms. Today, we're going to be discussing how to build a community virtually. I have a great guest to discuss this with me today, Lee Robertson. He's a serial networker with over over 30 years experience leading a multi-award winning practice, current CEO of Octa members and our advisor to the board here at Clients First. Nice to have you back, Lee. How are you today? Listen, I'm very well, enjoying the sunshine, and uh, nice to be back. Um, slightly surprised to be asked so quickly because I'm sure people are getting fed up with me. But uh, let, let's give it a go. Yeah, some great insight so far. So it's um, yeah, great to have you back. Let's jump straight in then, because um, community seems to be on the minds of lots of marketers lately. Why has it been such a focus recently? Do you think? Oh, I, listen, I, I think you're right. I think it is a focus. I think the situation we find ourselves in at the moment has probably sped that up. But like all these things, it's sort of multifaceted because the audience for this is largely, you know, financial planners and financial planning firms. I think a large part of it is that over the last number of years, financial advice has moved from being transactional to being much more collaborative, engaged and involved and recurring as opposed to kind of transactional. So I think people have moved from being customers to clients. And with clients, what you really want is stickiness and repeat business and that they have the confidence to come back to you when another issue arises or to hear from you on a regular basis. So I think that's the kind of the main driver. And I think that's why we've arrived at this word community, because we like to build, or or I certainly do my practice, I like to build a community of clients in effect. But community, it's a bit like these words, isn't it? You know, we now talk about personal brand, where we used to talk about reputation. I think some of the language is just iterative. But all of all of this, I guess, is being underpinned at the moment by the fact that we've had to meet our clients remotely as opposed to in person. So we really want to keep in touch with them. So it is about building that community of engaged, involved clients who want to hear from you and you want to hear from them. Yeah. Just going back to that language that you referenced, um, we kind of reference community and audience. Is there a difference between the two or is it behaviours or what is that difference? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm the first to say I'm no expert at this, but I, I suspect with audience... You know, I guess unless you're at the pantomime where you were behind you, the audience, it's a bit a little bit broadcast, isn't it? Um, you know, somebody's broadcasting up to the audience and the audience is receiving it. Um, yeah. So I think that's maybe the difference um, in terms of that. And now we talk about our community of clients, whereas I think probably previously in my generation, we would have talked about client bank. 
It's just an iteration of language and approach and engagement, I think. And I think today's financial planning practices, the best ones, are highly engaged with their clients. So it does feel like a community of clients. Many of the clients in a good practice will know each other. They will have referred each other. They will have met each other at events sponsored by the financial planning practice, etc. Yeah, I guess it's different marketing strategies isn't it so um push pull if you like so an advertising campaign is meant for an audience whereas a webinar is meant for to establish a community yeah yeah i I guess so um yeah yeah definitely you know definitely um i I think it is it is about moving a one-way communication flow to a two-way communication flow, or actually a multi a multi method where, where lots of people engage in the same discussion. I mean, I used to run uh, with with my with my clients. We used to run quarterly breakfasts, for instance, where we invited clients in and they would meet each other and hear from a good speaker, have a nice bit of breakfast. They could ask us questions and we could give them a little bit of educational stuff that wasn't too personal because of privacy. Uh, and it did feel like a community. You know, people once they'd met each other two or three times, even if they hadn't met each other before, they got to know each other. Some of them ended up doing business with each other. There was all sorts of benefits from it. Yeah, and just to talk about the benefits a little bit more I think community's been termed as the non-intrusive approach to to engaging with clients and, and prospects are there any other benefits to taking a more of a community approach with marketing yeah you know I would I would say so um, and every practice will be different I know but one is that I, I think with a community-based approach people like they like to hear from you and you like to hear from them. So that's a really soft thing. You know, they don't sit there hoping you won't call because you're going to call them about topping up their pension. They understand that you're going to be in touch and they can be in touch with you. I think other benefits are clients get to know each other and very often they're in business, so they will end up doing business with each other and they will remember that's how they met. So it also kind of tracks back to you. Um, and I think those, And I think communities are stickier. You know, if people like being part of a community, I mean, the human race is really quite tribal. Um, We like belonging to groups. We like belonging to a gang. We like belonging to a club, whatever that is. And if if you're part of a community of people centered around a financial planning practice, I suspect it does make things much, much stickier because you're not just, if you decide to move on, you're not just moving on from that financial planning practice. You're moving on from that community of people you've met and like meeting at events and that kind of stuff. So lots of layers to any onion, I know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard the phrase, don't pitch, participate, as a bit of a term used when trying to establish yourself or create a community. How would, you know, a financial planning practice firm get involved in in this? Yeah, um, that's a good line, isn't it? Somebody in marketing made that line up. Don't pitch, participate. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how would you start? Well, there's, there's hundreds of ways, I guess. Um, one is um, holding webinars at the moment. I guess lots of practices are doing that, and people may see each other on screen, etc. if they choose to do so. Um, in more normal times, the way we started our community was we had a quarterly breakfast. We called it the Advocates Breakfast Club, and we invited people along, and they had a speaker, and they got to know each other, and it just felt like a nice thing. We usually had it in nice venues where, you know, I was lucky I was in the city of London. There was lots of places that we could choose. You, you can hang it around certain events. Some, we did things for charity, so you can hang stuff around a particular charity that you like to support, or 
actually, from my point, more importantly, perhaps a charity that's really close to one of your clients and you can you can begin to build stuff up that way. Um, and then, of course, there's the digital communities, of course, in terms of social media. So there, there are lots of ways that you can do that in terms of whether it's a podcast, whether it's uh, webcasts, whether it's just engaging in social media with your clients and your community, all sorts of ways, I guess, that you can do it. Yeah, and I guess there's two sides to it, isn't there? There's the professional community and then there's the the client sort of integrated community of, of both sides. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point, Ellen, in that professional services firms, and if, if we we should include financial planning practices in that, they're providing yeah. professional services, but but many clients will also have professional, you know, advisors, accountants, solicitors, will writers, um, trust and estate people. Um, whatever it happens to be, well, they're as keen to meet new people as as financial planners are because they also have to sell service and promote themselves and engage with people to be profitable and to, to run a good service. So if you can tune into that community, and that's how I built my practice, was getting good quality referrals from like-minded professional services firms, accountants, solicitors who like the standard of our work. So if you can involve them, you've got a ready-made um You've got a ready-made subject matter expert speaker at an event. You know, if you've got a, a lawyer who's absolutely versed in trusts and estates and stuff like that, talking to clients, particularly maybe your clients who are more interested in that part of their financial planning, there you go. Um, and you will, you will end up, you will do the financial planning bit and that, that solicitor may end up doing that part of the work. The client's happy. The client's got two professional advisors involved. And there you've got a community of three already or maybe four with, or, or more with, with the client's family. So that's a great way to start a community. And, and I think the, the overlap between professional services firms and clients is really important. You know, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, and, and how important is it that, say, for example, a financial planning firm did want to establish themselves with it, um, you know, within social media, specifically on a particular platform? How important is it that, everyone plays a part in that as opposed to one person driving it forward i i yeah that, that's that's a really interesting question and that came up in another session i did somewhere else recently in that it seems to happen in most places that just a few people do social media yeah. everyone else is too busy or they don't understand it or they don't have time or you're better at it than i am you get all these kind of excuses and, and actually i think they are excuses if you've got a personality-led practice, it might be that it makes sense that that personality, that rainmaker, that person that generates most clients, it does lead on it. But actually, I think it's much more open and honest and transparent and informative if you get a variety of voices from the same practice, if that makes sense. So, so my personal preference, and I've never yet managed to achieve it, um, I say, is to have more than just one or two people doing social media. I think the more people that contribute, the better, and particularly for practices using more than one channel. So if they're using LinkedIn, if they're using Twitter, if they're using Instagram, if they're using business Facebook, whatever, then perhaps it might make sense that, that people align themselves to particular platforms. But I think it's a big, big issue in that most practices, most businesses I know, it really come, it usually comes down to one or two people doing the social media. Everyone else wants the benefit, mm. but, but they, they perhaps don't do it very often. Yeah, so the more the merrier in terms of making sure that we're not relying on, on one person to, yeah. to lead the way and 
Yeah, that 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 would be my preference. But but I'm the first to admit I've never yet achieved it. You know, I, I you know mm. one or two people sometimes do bits and pieces, and then they do other stuff. But I think the thing about social media is you've got to be consistent. There's no point doing a tweet on a Wednesday and then not doing for one for another three weeks and doing it on a Tuesday. You've got to involve. And then the other thing I say about social media is the word social is a big clue. We were talking earlier about audience and broadcast. Don't just broadcast company news. Engage in discussions. Hear what people are saying about you. Spark debates. Join other people's debates if it's appropriate. Get social as opposed to just saying, we're doing this on Tuesday. We're doing this on Wednesday. We're doing this on Friday. It's dull. Nobody engages with it. You get you get no take up. So kind of respond in real time to, to what's going on. Yeah, and that's hard. You know, everyone's got a day job too. Everyone's got a day job. You know, they're, they're doing business as usual. They're, they're firefighting with a client issue or whatever it happens to be. And the last thing they might want to do is go on social media there and then. But they shouldn't forget it because it's a, it's a key broadcaster for any business. We spoke about, we've just spoken about social media and also building a community face-to-face. Um, though we can't do that right at this moment in time, but... How does it differ, and especially with financial services, is it more effective, you know, in a, a face-to-face environment, or can it be equally as as positive online? Great question. Um, I think it might come down to personalities. I liked face-to-face, despite being a natural introvert, I preferred face-to-face networking. I think it, for me, it was it was more interesting, more engaging, more. I was more able to read cues. I was more able to hear what the potential issues might be that I could help solve, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, I, and I, maybe I was lucky, but my business was based very close to the Lloyd's market, and lots of these Lloyd's brokers and underwriters they all knew each other, so it was very easy to be introduced in a social setting to someone else who who might also have an issue that you could help with. So my preference would always be face-to-face, but it takes a lot of time. It can also be expensive if you're doing it over a beer or a glass of wine or lunch or whatever, that all adds up. Um, But that would be my preference. But I would say on the social side, particularly at the moment, you know, it is cheaper, there's less travel, um, you know, you don't have to endure two hours of lunch with someone that you perhaps haven't really connected with only to find out you're not going to get the business, What you know, whatever whatever the issues are. So I think it will come down to the people themselves and their own particular preferences. My preferences was face-to-face, but we've all had to get a lot smarter over the last couple of years about doing stuff, you know, virtually and digitally because of what's going on. Yeah, and we spoke before, haven't we, about personal brand and, and doing what feels right for you and your personal style. Um, I guess listening to this conversation it's all about maybe like an extension of that is the community aspect of it all and networking and involving the the wider company as part of that activity yeah and and the white your wider company or your wider practice is also part of your community I guess it's part of your professional community part of your business community and lots of your clients will know people inside your practice or your firm as well so you are part of that ecosystem, maybe not a great phrase, but you are part of that whole ecosystem of of your colleagues, your clients, your professional connections, your suppliers, um, your prospects, whatever that framework ecosystem looks like. Um, and, and I think it's really important. You, you just touched on personal brand there. I think there's a congruity, consistency thing. You know, you've got to be the same people to everyone. If you've got a work face and you deal with your own colleagues differently to the way you deal with your clients, both sides spot you pretty quickly. 
you know so so just be the same be consistent if what you're doing is working for you just do more of it I would say yeah in terms of somebody that does want to get involved are there any platforms forums um, within the network that you'd recommend to them to to get started with yeah so so just to be clear then is this is this about a community for clients or, or for for a community peers for clients for, i would clients. say yeah okay so there are i mean there are lots of them linkedin is a virtual one which is you know it's a great way to start most of us are on there most of us have a linkedin community i think they even call it a community now everyone as you say everyone's picking up on this yeah. community um <laughs> There are there are networking groups. I mean, when I started the industry, everyone used to go along to chamber of commerce meetings and stuff like that. Um, but there are things like BNI. There, there are all sorts of local chambers of commerce, local business groups, online business groups. Um, say I'm down in London. There are a number that come out of some of the business clubs and business hubs. And it's the sort of client that you're looking for. Find out where they might be, and also put yourself in the space where they might be. So I I had a number of lawyer clients, and actually ended up speaking at the law society, which which brought me a couple of new clients. And it's, you've got to make yourself sometimes uncomfortable and go and do stuff in other people's communities. Um, I I talk about Paula Steele, who who I've got a huge admiration for. You know, Paula Steele, financial planner. I used to see her at just about every lawyer's social event I ever went to. She was also there. She was a prolific and highly successful um, networker. And she and I used to sometimes talk about the sheer effort it took to do that. Uh, and I was miles behind her. She she was prolific and committed and got on with it. And she put herself in situations you know, with lawyers, and she was a financial planner because she was looking for those as clients, and, and she did it exceptionally well. In fact, I've never seen anyone better at doing that, and, and so I often use her as an example, and um, if she listens to this, I hope I'm not making her blush, but she I, she's a woman <laughs> I've got huge admiration for. Oh, so definitely an inspiration then yeah. on your side. Yeah, you've got to learn from other people, you know. Exactly, and yeah, putting yourselves in the minds of the clients that you want to win more of shoes I guess is the best place to begin mm. thinking about where you can start to make your mark I mean another great way is is if there are financial planners that you admire if you're a financial planner and there are financial planners you admire who seem to be winning clients and, and picking up business it's worth seeing what they do look at the, look at what they're doing on social media look at the sort of events they might be going to because if they go to an event they'll probably say so on social media i'm at such and such and then just begin to i mean you've got to find your own style of course but try and learn from people as i've just mentioned with paula look at who's doing stuff really really well and think is there are there any lessons i could learn from that particular individual who seems to be having success are they talking to the press are they going on TV? Are they podcasting? Are they going to law society events? Whatever. And just begin to pick that through and see what might work for you. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. What are some of the challenges businesses may have with this community approach? I think it takes time. You know, there's no quick return on this usually. It also takes consistency. So if you turn up at one event and you don't get much success, you shouldn't expect that. It may be two or three. You know what it's like. You know, people begin to recognize you. Oh, oh, did we meet last time? Oh, nice to meet you again. And then you begin to build trust. So I think the big challenges are time, because everyone's got business as usual and they've got the day job to do, consistency and commitment. And you've got to get involved. You've got you've got to put your shoulder to the wheel and put some effort in. Yeah. So 
remaining a little bit determined, I guess, would be a little tip. Yeah, and do you know, we all go through this funk, or maybe we don't all go, but I certainly did. You know, you it's it's a Wednesday. You've been out two nights already because you've been consistent. You've got your shoulders to the wheel, and it's Wednesday. And it's half past five, and your day job is ending, so to speak. And you think, oh, I've got another one to go to. And you've somehow inside, you've got to find the energy and the commitment and the excitement somewhere to do it. Now, I'm like that before every evening meeting, if I'm honest. But when I get there, I'm fine because you feed off the energy of other people and and you meet people you've met before or the the sheer terror and excitement of meeting someone you've never met before. But then then if you're a a curious, interested individual who wants to help people, you overcome that and and you're away. So I, I think it does take a lot of effort. And I think people who don't do it, and with all respect to people who've only ever been handed clients, they've never quite understood the sheer effort it takes to take a cold start prospect and turn them into a fully committed client who wants to be part of your community. It takes a huge amount of effort. Um, And I think this is, you know, I was on a a meeting of minds group the other week, and this was part of the discussion. And, you know, there were, there were people there who described themselves as farmers or minders. And there were people there who described themselves as hunters. And, and that's slightly old in the sort of words, but it's interesting how the farmers always think, yeah, well, these rainmakers, they all think they're, they're God's gift and they run around and they get a new client and then they abandon them because I end up doing all the work. So somewhere in the middle will be the truth. But I genuinely think to take a someone you've never met before who doesn't know anyone else in your network, who you've met out socially or at an event or wherever you've engineered yourself to be with them, to turn them into a fully-fledged client who's committed to your practice and wants to be part of your community is a huge achievement and it shouldn't be underestimated. I think, sadly, it often is underestimated, even by colleagues who think, oh, that's good, I've been handed another client. That's easy, isn't it? It's not that easy. You were handed that client or you were handed the client before them who's allowed you to be handed that client. So there's all sorts of stuff. There's little tensions go on. Yeah, and that's interesting. In your experience, does that process get easier as time goes on and you become well known in in the community or does it still feel daunting and listen I, I think I think it probably does get easier yeah because if you have three clients and one refers to you you've got a fourth client if you have 30 clients and 10 refer to you you know the same percentage you've got a lot more clients so it it does generally get easier you also, I think, get more polished. And I don't mean polished in a sleazy way. I just mean you just get more adept at being in social situations with people you've not met before, asking those kind of softer, more open questions or listening to what they're actually saying may not be what they're trying to tell you. They're just talking around the point, but you, you begin to understand what they're trying to ask you. So I think it probably does get easier, but the time commitment doesn't get easier. I think if you yeah. that's that consistency thing. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy, but the rewards get greater because you like anything, the more you practice, the better you hopefully get. Yeah. Very last question before we go. Right. Do you have any any other tips, tricks? You've you've given out a lot of tips during this conversation, but to help anyone that's looking to get started at all. Yeah. Um yeah. Just get started. Um, yeah. Allow yourself to make mistakes. 
you know, you, you will you will walk away, and there's all sorts of old stuff that direct sales learned. Never leave a room without three business cards that you can follow up. And but I would say don't get into any of that stuff. If you if you see selling as just curiosity and wanting to help people, then just get started. The, the, the quicker you start, the quicker you'll get on. And be consistent, be friendly, be who you are. Um, and I just think you'll succeed. And don't listen to the doubters, but allow yourself allow yourself the ability to not get it right. You know, to, to walk away from the end of a networking meeting or ha- whatever situation it was to think, do you know what? I really mucked that up. I'm going to reflect on what happened and I'm going to be better next time yeah and believe in yourself and capability as well because it just takes time doesn't it it does and you know and, and financial good financial planning makes such a fundamental difference to clients for the good for the better that actually the way I used to talk to myself is you're doing yourself a disservice if they don't become your client because you know you can help them so you've got to help them understand that you can help them and they should become a client of yours. And I also thought that was a great mindset to be in in any situation. Yeah, that's a really nice way to think about it. Yeah, very nice. And, and you can do that across <laughs> any business, you know? Yeah, you, know, you, you, like, you You know, you could sit there thinking, you know what, I, I have my role at clients first. I would be doing myself a disservice because I know how good we are and I know how we could improve that financial planning practices, digital what's the word reputation or or, or whatever I could really help them so I'd be doing myself a disservice if I don't convince them to become clients of clients first and I think that's just a great way it's not selling it's about offering the expertise that you definitely have to the betterment of your potential client it's just it's just a great way to approach any meeting yeah and it gives you that a bit of oomph and energy to to go in there with a positive mindset doesn't it yeah definitely absolutely do you know and People pick up on it. People pick up on positivity as, as long as you're not too, and we've all met them over the years, you know, who oversell to you and kind of, they follow you around the room. Yeah. And they, you know, I'm going to help you, going to help you. Just leave me alone. Let me, let me think. <laughs> but, but, but I do think if done well and with practice, it does get better. I think people pick up on the positivity and, and they walk away and think, do you know what? They were really excited to meet me. And I was really interested in what they had to say. And the best, here's my final tip, and then I'll definitely shut up. Let the client do far more talking than you do. And listen, yeah. Because because clients walk away, I promise you, and they will think, do you know what What an interesting person that was? And you know what was interesting was you let them talk. Mm. And they don't even think that in their head. That, that's a really good tip. Yeah, really good. <laughs> Lots of tips today, Lee. <laughs> ah, well, there we go. I hope they work for some people. They, they worked yeah. for me over 30 years uh, and, and perhaps and, and still are actually. So, you know, it's, a, you know, you make lots of mistakes, you keep trying, you get a little bit better, um, but it does get easier. And, and so the real answer to your question is just get started. If you haven't already, have the confidence to go out with your knowledge and your personality and your character and explain to people how you can help them. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, as always, um, always some great insights to share with our listeners And I'm sure they'll all be interested in trying some of your advice and putting it into practice. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Our thanks again to Lee for his contribution to this episode of First Focus, where we discussed building communities within financial services. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep an eye out for future episodes coming out bi-weekly by going to bit.ly forward slash first focus podcast to subscribe. Thanks for listening once again and we look forward to you tuning in next time.